Welcome to Lift Up Your Hearts podcast. This is a podcast where I pray into a microphone and in front of a camera so that you can see that having a real prayer life that you dive into scripture is possible and anyone can do it. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to be a Bible nerd. You don't have to be anything special. You can be a goofball like me. You just have to take the time and be intentional, and you have to flex a little bit of your imagination muscle. I almost said imagination. Yeah, whatever. You have to flex that muscle a little bit because it might be something you haven't done in a long time, but I know you can do it. This week, we are going to be reading through the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. This is what's commonly called the epiphany of our Lord. It's not said anywhere in the scripture, but epiphany is just a, a showing, you know, you have, you have an epiphany. You have this, you have this thing that strikes you. Uh, it's, it's the showing of our Lord to the world. And we all know the story of the three wise men that come to visit him. But, you know, have we really have we really dove deep into those characters or what that might mean? I do an Ignatian style of contemplation, so that means we really try to place ourselves into the story of the Bible. You don't have to this isn't an exegesis of the Bible, meaning really trying to understand what it's teaching us theologically. This is a personal journey. So Therefore, there's no right or wrong in what you see or feel or what strikes you. I like to say well, those things that strike you, we should dive into and and reflect those back to the Lord. St. Ignatius would call this the colloquy, where we, where we, we relate that back to Jesus and say, Lord, what do you want me to know from this? What do you want me to glean from this? What do you want me to understand from this? Why did this thing strike me? Why did this thing pop out to me? And we really try to place ourselves into the characters as well because it just allows us to see differently. It allows us to understand differently. Because I think so many times we read scripture and these characters seem so incredibly foreign to us that it's almost impossible to feel like it could mean anything to you. But when we dive deep into the people, we realize that they're more like me than I could have ever imagined. And then the stories that happen in the Bible can seem so much more real, and they can mean something more to us than we could have ever imagined. So we're going to do that today. Ignatius asks us, however, before we start any prayer, to orient our minds and our hearts and our souls to him, and we should take the moment of an Our Father to contemplate how he looks on us with love. And that requires us to use our imagination, because how the Lord looks at me implies a relationship, implies that I see him gazing upon me. I see him seeing me.
And sometimes it's even helpful to imagine what happens during that gaze. Do you feel an embrace from the Lord? Do you feel his arms opening wide? Remember, St. Ignatius not asks us to not just think of the Lord looking at us, but looking at us with love. And if that's something difficult to do, that's something we need to do intentionally. If we don't feel his love, we can imagine him loving us, at least. And what does that look like? What does that feel like for him to look at you in a loving embrace, a gaze of a loving father? And then when we read the scripture... The first time we read it through, I'm going to probably only read it through once, because I've already read it through a couple times. But the first time we read it through, we kind of become aware of certain things that are happening, the story, where is it taking place, who are the characters, what's kind of the storyline, what's the, the breadth and depth of what happens in that passage, and then... The second or third time we read it through, we really can enter into one of the characters, really try to place ourselves in one of the characters. And again, this is not right or wrong. You can imagine yourself as Mary or one of the disciples or today one of the wise men. And what does it feel like to do that and be that person and for what happens in the passage to happen to you? What are the looks on the people's faces what do you smell and feel and how are you how are you feeling inside as well because all these people it's so easy to think of the bible characters as not having any feelings you know it's really easy to think they never had a bad day because we don't actually think of them it's not that we don't think they never had a bad day it's just that we don't oftentimes see their bad days. We don't often see them tired. That might happen a little bit. We get a, a small glimpse into Jesus weeping, you know, a couple times. That's it. He weeps at the grave of Lazarus, his friend. He weeps at the garden, and he weeps uh, for the people on the way of the cross. That's it, though. That's all we see. But I'm sure he had emotions. I'm sure he was tired. I'm sure there were days where he was exhausted. But it doesn't say that, you know. Jesus was really tired that day, you know. <laughs> but he, I'm sure sometimes he was. So we try to really get into the person as well. So I'm going to read through this. Today is the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of the king of King Herod behold magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying where is the newborn king of the Jews we saw his star at its rising and have come to do him homage when king Herod heard this he was greatly troubled and all Jerusalem with him assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. 
They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it has been written through the prophet, And behold, Bethlehem, land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler, who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and ascertained from them the time of the star's appearance. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the king, for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I too may go and do him homage. After their audience with the king, they set out, and behold, the star they had, that they had seen at its rising preceded them until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. They were overjoyed at seeing the star, and on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. Then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. So what are some things that stuck out to you? You can even start to imagine them before I say the things that stuck out to me. Or maybe even just listen to it again and enter into one of the characters. I entered into, you know, trying to be one of the one of the wise men or the magi from the east and what that would have meant. I'm sure they were an, not anticipating seeing what they saw. Right? I mean, I, I don't think they were in Tending on seeing a a poor family in a manger with no pomp and circumstance, with no really anything, and but that's indeed what they saw, and for them to travel so far, I mean, it must have been at least at least hundreds of miles, if not more. And travel back then was exhausting and expensive. And then they brought great gifts, probably anticipating a great king that they would honor and there would be trumpets, boop, 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 you know? And because then they went to Herod, right? They go to Herod and... They try to ascertain where the king is. Think, probably thinking, you know, if, if I'm one of them, I'm thinking this guy certainly knows because the king of the Jews is born. And is this not a big deal to them? What's I'm thinking in my head, like, what's the deal? Like, don't they know that this is happening? How do they not know that this king is? being born and even just thinking that oh yeah even just thinking that i'm i'm thinking how many uh, <laughs> how many people in the world just went through a christmas celebration without christ without acknowledging christ and did i do that too a Christmas celebration where I wasn't overjoyed at seeing the star 
and prostrated myself in homage before the king. So then they are thinking this king must be, you know, that they're still following this star, probably still thinking potentially that there's going to be some type of celebration or understanding of the greatness of this event. And we don't get any indication of that. We get an indication they entered into what we know as a barn with a poor family, and they were overjoyed still. I can imagine feeling some disappointment, actually. It's just my own feeling right now. I can imagine coming this far, ascertaining from the king, you know, King Herod, oh, there's a king of the Jews being born, and, and then all of a sudden this disappointment starts happening. They don't even know he's born. They have to kind of scramble together. Oh, yeah, I guess he's born in Bethlehem. When did you start seeing, you know, and then they get this kind of suspicious conversation with him, and and then they go to a, a stable with a poor family, I don't think I would have had the same reaction as the the Magi. I, I think I would have had some disappointment in my heart. Like, man, we came all this way and no one seems to understand this thing. And uh, is this, you know, I would have maybe even questioned what we were doing. What's going on here? Are we, are we, are we at, the, at the right house? But, I don't know, they didn't seem to have that. Maybe I'm looking at the other Magi and thinking, they seem really excited about this. And I guess in my head, I'd have to kind of, I'd have to kind of trust the, the signs more than myself. Because I had to have trusted this star and the prophecy more than myself. Because if I trust myself, then I have some I have certain disappointment because I've I've created some type of anticipation or expectation of this baby king. And that is certainly not what happened. However, when the Magi are there they don't have that disappointment. I, my only conclusion is they trusted the star and the prophecy over and above their own expectation. And so when they saw it, they trusted the sign and the prophecy above their expectations and their everything else. So there wasn't a chance of disappointment. And man, that <laughs> man that happens to me. There's so much anticipation of my own hopes and thoughts and dreams. And but if I get rid of those, I don't, I don't have that disappointment. And it allows for me to be like the Magi, 
to be overjoyed at seeing the star. They, you know, they didn't say overjoyed at seeing the baby. Overjoyed at seeing the star, and on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. So it doesn't sound like there was any hesitation. Then they opened their treasures, and recently I found out that these treasures would have potentially amounted to millions of dollars of current current money. And be, because they were anticipating royalty, what what others would have considered royalty, what others expect royalty to be, and Jesus and the Holy Family isn't that. It's kind of like last week with Simeon. Everyone sees this poor family offering offering two pigeons, and Simeon sees his savior. Everyone else just sees a family that doesn't have reservations, you know, and is staying at a stable. And the the wise men, because they don't trust themselves, maybe that's why we call them wise, huh? Because they don't trust themselves, they trust the sign and the prophecy. They're able to be overjoyed and to prostrate themselves. This was not their religion. You know, I'm just thinking in my head, like, I'm I'm one of these magi. And I trust so much this prophecy and sign, this star, that... Besides what everyone else thinks, almost literally everyone, because there's no one else there. There's 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 no other indication that there's like hundreds of people here. Because for one, they say you know they entered the house and all they saw was a the baby with Mary, his mother. They, it doesn't say they saw hundreds of people. There was like a big crowd and there's all these shepherds and everyone here. No, it's. Maybe Joseph was out getting some wood for a fire. I don't know. But they trusted so much the prophecy and the signs and not themselves or their expectations or anything else that they can prostrate themselves and they can still offer these gifts. It's not like there's no indication that they gave less than what they intended on giving. I don't know. For me, it's just a uh, it's a good reminder. It's a really good reminder to not have expectations that are mine, but to be open and f- free to what the Lord has for me and what he wants to teach me and what he wants to show me and to trust those things more than what the rest of the world sees or doesn't see. I I never saw this passage so closely related to Simeon. I never saw these magi so closely related to Simeon until today. Simeon sees what no one else can see because of the Holy Spirit. The magi see what no one else sees 
I don't know, because of, you know, I've said it a hundred times now, but because they trust the sign and the prophecy? I don't know. I don't know if that's too simple, but I don't know. It's what the Lord is putting on my heart. Those words, the sign and the prophecy. Do I trust those things? I don't know. I think that's that's the thing I'm going to wrestle with this week. And I encourage you, whatever it is, it's probably most likely not the same thing I'm wrestling with, but it might be. I don't know. But I encourage you to to read these passages in a similar manner. Just allow it to go wherever it goes. I I, I read this, you know, before, and I, I didn't intend it to go to, to where it went. And I didn't see that connection before was never revealed to me and I've absolutely felt fallen in love with Simeon and maybe maybe I'll fall in love with the Magi in the same way now but that's the beauty of just allowing the scripture to speak to my heart and where I am and what's happening in my life and you're at a different place and you're at a different time and different circumstances and the Lord loves you so much and he wants to speak to you and allow it to happen while you read the scripture allow it to dive into what's happening in your heart and just kind of investigate you know i like to be curious and wonder what's happening both in my heart and in the scripture and in the characters and what that would have been like if i was one of them and that really allows it to come alive for me and i hope it comes alive for you and i hope that you can have a substantial prayer life that means something that you can go back to. Like I've said before, the most powerful part of doing this type of prayer is not the initial thing that I'm recording and and showing to you, but the secondary and tertiary times where I go back to it and back to it and back to it and and wonder and be curious about new things that happen or really investigate why the Lord put those things on my heart and and just write those down and and take them to prayer the rest of this week. That's why this podcast comes out a little bit before Sunday so that you can allow it to ruminate in your heart and in your soul so that when you when you go to mass maybe there's even more to be revealed through the homily and hearing it again. So if you've liked these podcasts I encourage you to give it a thumbs up, a review, like and subscribe put comments down maybe you can put in the in the comment section what was revealed to you what was interesting to you what helped you anything i'd love it i'll see you uh next week actually maybe later this week i'm praying for you please pray for me god bless